take for granted anything. Amen? We have padded pews uh, uh, or, or chairs, padded chairs, heated, heated atmosphere, an awesome choir to hear and listen to. I tell you, man, I thank God for it all. I thank God for it all. I, Brother Dustin and Brother Jeff, they're in Nepal uh, it, it, with visiting the, the Matilli churches that you are instrumental in starting. And, uh, and I, I, I've, you know, gotten back and forth messages and, and uh, everything's going great, but they said the food is horrible. <laughs> now, for Dustin, uh, when he goes to Burger King and he only wants a, 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 a cheeseburger with uh, mayo and ketchup only to go over there, you know he's having a hard time. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. But I thank God for what they're doing over here. And all the pictures I've seen from there sure makes me appreciate what we got over here. Amen? All right. Here's what I need to do. Here's what I need to do. I'm going to tell a love story. How about it? There's nothing like Valentine's that, to, to make you want to tell a good love story. Everybody likes a good love story. But the thing about this love story, it's a true one. It is a real love story. Now, I, I, I want to read the text, but then I've got to give you a little a little uh, background information on, on the story itself. There's so many times when I was growing up in church that, that preachers would preach stuff and, and they would just assume that everybody knew what they were talking about. And one of the words that we're going to use and one of the terminologies you're going to hear today is kinsman redeemer. Kinsman redeemer. And I heard that my whole life, but I really didn't know what that was. It sounded good and they shouted when they said it, but I, I, what does that mean? What is a kinsman redeemer and, and how that works? Because if you know that, the story comes alive. And it sure makes a difference knowing the story. Are you all with me? Say amen. amen. So if you can bear with me, I'm going to read the text. Then we'll read the background information. And then we'll tell the story. All right? And, and, and I, I hesitate to say once upon a time. I want to say that, but I don't want you to think it's a fairy tale because it's not a fairy tale, but it did happen once upon a time. This is a true story. This really happened. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. The Bible says in Ruth chapter number two and verse number one, and Naomi had a kinsman of the husband of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabitess, said unto Naomi, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was out of the kindred of Elimelech. In other words, she just happened to come to this field. Oh, boy. And, and behold... Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz, he's standing there with his servants, he's standing there with the reapers of the field, and he looks out across and he sees somebody. And he said, Whose damsel is this? You got to read it that way. Y'all with me? He said, Who in the world is this foxy mama right here? And all God's people say it. That's what he said. All right? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitess damsel that came back with Naomi of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth. Boy, he don't take much time, does he? Hearest thou not, my daughter, go thou to, not to glean in any other field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after him, them. Have I not charged the young men? They shall not touch thee. And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. He's working it. Say amen. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath been fully showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity, and art come unto the people which thou knewest not heretofore. 
The Lord recompense the work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for thou hast comforted me, for thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid. Though I be not like unto one of thine handmaids. Oh, that's really good right there. And we get to that part, say amen. Aren't, aren't you glad you don't have to have it all together for God to have favor on you? Amen. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou hither, and eat of the bread, dip the morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers. Now watch this. And he reached her parched corn, and she did eat. and was Now he's done went and inviting her to lunch to feeding her lunch. He said, Have some of this. Get it now. Use your imagination. This is what's happening. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded, he turns to the workers. He said, hey, 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 hey. Let her glean even among the sheaves. And I'm going to explain that in a minute. And reproach her not. And read it with me. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her. And leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her. Ooh. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of this message. I pray that your blessings will fall upon this place. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. You may be seated. You may be seated. Now, let me, let me give you a little, a, a little helpful background information, and then we'll tell the story, okay? Uh, back in that day, when the nation of Israel, when, they, when God blessed them with the land, when we sell, in other words, when we sell something, and, and if I sell a car to you, or if I sell a piece of property to you, it's yours. It's a done deal. It's yours. It, the, the transaction is final. It's perpetual. It's, it's a done deal. But it wasn't that way then. It wasn't that way then. Now, here's why. When property is sold in our culture, the title is usually passed in perpetuity to the, to the buyer. However... Israel's land was granted in the days of Joshua to the tribes to be retained within the family. In ancient Israel, land wasn't sold as we are used to. Since God was the real landowner, Israel was simply a tenant under conditions of obedience. And by the way, he evicted them for a while. If y'all remember, they, he let them go into captivity and he evicted them out of the place. He had them for a temporary season. When land was sold... What the buyer received was only the use of the land, not necessarily a clear title. There were conditions under which a kinsman of the seller could redeem the land back to the original family. These conditions were typically noted on the outside of the scroll defining the transaction. Does that make sense? Say amen. In other words, if I had a piece of property, if I had a piece of property and I got into a financial crisis, a financial bondage, I could sell the property, but what I was really selling was the use of the property, the use of the property. But my brother, my kinsman, my brother could come and buy it back to keep it in the family. And buying it back was called redeeming. Say that with me. It was called redeeming. He was redeeming the land. He was purchasing, buying it back. Does that make sense? Say amen. Okay, now the second part of this you need to understand about the Leverite marriage. This was an unusual procedure to assure the continuation of a family in the event of the death of a husband without issue. If a widow had no son, she could request the next of kin to take her and raise children to continue the family bloodline. The purpose of these laws was to preserve the name and protect the property of families in Israel. God owned the land and didn't want it exploited by rich people who would take advantage of poor people and widows. When obeyed, these laws made sure that a dead man's family name did not die with him, that his property was not sold outside the tribe or clan. Or in other words, if a man was married and he had brothers and he died without having a son, he died without having an heir to take over the family and take over the, the, the land and the, and the farm there, if you will, uh, then, the, then his next brother would take her to wife and raise a son, have a son through her in his brother's name to keep it in the family. Does that make sense right there? Now, you've got to know those two things. You've got to know those two things to get the gist of this story. 
Now, if everybody's clear, on, now you don't have to be 100% clear. It might take a while for it to sink in. But it, you, do you, does everybody get the point right there where you say, raise your hand, wave at me. Look. Everybody got that. Okay, all right. Now, once upon a time, a long time ago, there was a family. The father's name was Elimelech. The, the, the mother's name was Naomi. The sons, he had two sons, uh, Malin and Chilean. Uh, they both uh, were there with the family, so it's a family of four. Well, hard times fell upon Israel. There was difficult times, a time of famine, a time of hardship and heartache. Well, Elimelech decided to take the family and go to greener pastures and find a better place. But the only problem with that is he went to the Moabites. The Moabites were a wicked, idolatrous people. It was people that came from the incestuous relationship with Lot and his daughters. They were people who had treated the Israelites very cruelly. It was a wicked people. They were not supposed to even be associating with these people, yet Elimelech thought it might be the best. Uh, that, listen, and by the way, just because it looks like greener pastures doesn't, doesn't mean it's the thing you ought to do. So he goes and he takes his family there, and the Bible says he goes to sojourn. In other words, he didn't intend to stay very long. But there's only one problem with that. When you're dabbling with sin, you have no control in the matter. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and make you pay more than you want to pay. He didn't intend to stay long, just a little while. But when you play with fire, you got to be careful. He ended up staying 10 years, and it got worse. It got worse. He allowed his two sons to marry Moabite women, which was against the law of God. Are you all with me? Ruth and Orpah was their wives. Well, in the course of time, Elimelech dies. Elimelech dies. He leaves a widow, Naomi. Then the two sons die. Now, Naomi is left with the two daughter-in-laws. Now, this is a crisis of, of great magnitude. We cannot fathom this in our day because in our day we have Social Security and we have other measures where, where a, a widow can be uh, uh, helped and, and taken care of, but not in that day. There was no Social Security. Your Social Security was your children and grandchildren taking care of you in your old age. So here she is without a husband. Here she is without the two sons that were, were to take care of her in her old age. And she's left with these two daughter-in-laws. Well... She says, I'm going back. You know, sometimes you got to go back where you left. She goes back. She hears that there's bread in Israel. And she goes back. She says, listen, uh, you girls, y'all need to go on back to your home. Now, how backslidden do you have to be to send your daughter-in-laws back to a wicked and idolatrous culture? She's so far from God at this point, bitter, broken. She says, you go back. Well, we know the story. One goes back, but one hangs on. Ruth says, no, ma'am, I'm not going anywhere. Where you go, I'm going to go. Where you lie, I will lie. Where you lodge, I will lodge. If you get up, I'm getting up. If you go down, I'm going down. It doesn't matter. Wherever you go, I'm going with you. She has found, she has found something in this family. She has, she has made a connection with the God of this family. The God of this family was different than the culture she came from. And she wanted the real things. Amen. God would not allow her, God would not allow this to happen. And by the way, there's way more in this story than I have time to tell today. But here's the thing. If Ruth, or excuse me, if Naomi took Ruth back to Israel, then that would be a testimony of her failure. Everybody would know then that she allowed her son to marry a Moabite woman. Now here's the thing. God won't let you sweep it under the rug. She had to, she had to own up to it. So here, here they go. Here they go, broken. Here they are, broke. Here they are with nothing. Broken, coming back home. Naomi comes Naomi comes into the city and, and Ruth coming with her. And Naomi has gone through such a difficult time and such a, such a, a tragedy to lose all that she's lost and, and to be as broken as she's broken and to be as bitter as she is. And she comes back and everybody's amazed. And they said, oh my goodness, is this Naomi? I tell you what, sin will take a toll on you. Sin will make a 40-year-old look like a 60-year-old. 
Sin will break you down. Listen, is this Naomi? And watch what her response is. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For God hath dealt bitterly with me. Oh, she's broken. She's hurting. Her hope for the future is gone. All she has left is this one daughter-in-law. And here I've got to take care of her now. But, but the story begins to change. That's chapter 1. There's, there's a lot of losing. First there was leaving. There was leaving. They left where they're supposed to be. Then they, there was losing. They lost all that they had. Listen, there, there was so much devastation in chapter 1 that when we find ourselves in chapter 2, it looks hopeless. But Ruth says, let me go. Let me go glean in the field. And now here's another thing we need to understand. In that day, in that culture, that when a wealthy, a wealthy farm owner, a wealthy uh, uh, estate owner, if you will, when they would come and they would glean the field, they would glean the field. God said, don't mess with the corners and don't mess with the scraps. You allow the scraps. In other words, the pieces that fall by the wayside, when you're, when you're gathering the grain, those pieces that fall by the wayside, you don't mess with them because you leave them for the poor. See, God cares about the poor, amen? Don't mess with them. Now, so what would happen is, is the workers, the paid workers of the wealthy landowner would come through and they're harvesting the field and they're gathering in the grain. And after they were through... Then the poor folks would come through and just pick up the scraps and, and the things that was left over. Now, if you read the chapter right, you will find out that here she just happened to fall on the field that was Boaz's. Are y'all with me? Just happened to fall on that field. He just happened to be a kinsman redeemer. Say amen. He just happened. Anyway, all right. Uh, and so here she is. She's picking and gleaning from the morning till midday. See, the, the wealthy owner comes out at midday to check and see how things are going. He's, he's, he's cutting up with the, with the servants, having a good time. And he looks up and, ooh, who is this? He's told who it is. And, and, and y'all just read. Y'all seen what happened. Now, here's the thing. He says this. He says, you just, you just glean right on up there beside the workers. Come on. You don't have to wait back here. He said, you just get on up in here amongst them. And then he tells the workers, he said, every time she ain't looking, dump her out soon. That's called handfuls of purpose. Are you? Man, I got God bumps a bigger hog goodbye right now. You say, what's the point? Let me, let me tell you the truth of the story and I'll give you the points. Ruth is a type of the church. Ruth is a type of the sinner. Boaz is a type of Jesus. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. Are y'all with me? Now you're getting it. Listen, I want to give you four things real quick, if God will help me. Four things that will bless your socks off. Say amen. I want, I want the main thing, the main thing I want you to get out of this story today is that Jesus loves me, this I know, for my Bible tells me so. I want to exalt Jesus more than he's ever been exalted in this place. This story is about a loving Savior who has a care and a love and a concern for a longing sinner. This is about Jesus Christ. This is about the greatest lover of all time and the greatest love story of all time. Jesus is love for the sinner. Say amen. Now let's look at it through Boaz's eyes. Number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to see this. Remember, Boaz is a type of the Savior. Boaz is a type of Jesus. Number one, I want you to see his interest or the interest that he showed. The interest that he showed. He looks out and he sees this person. He looks, now, now, now get this, he is wealthy. He is loaded. He is an aristocrat. 
He is, he is a man of great stature. He is a man of high status in the community. And he looks down and he sees a beggar. He looks down and he sees a stranger. He looks down and he sees a former Moabite, somebody who came out of idolatry, somebody who came out of wickedness, somebody who could not help themselves, somebody who was in a desperate situation, somebody who could not fix or change her situation. But he looked, the, I'm talking about the king looked upon the beggar, the master looked upon the servant and showed interest in her. I'm here to tell you today. I'm so glad that we serve a king who is sitting on a throne in glory and he looks down through the glory clouds and he sees an old broken sinner, an old wretched sinner like me. Oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. He showed interest in a beggar, showed interest in a sinner. Oh, I don't care. If you're a crack addict, Jesus is interested in you. I don't care if you're an alcoholic, Jesus is interested in you. I don't care if you're addicted to pornography, Jesus is interested in you. I don't care if everybody in the world has turned their back on you and nobody has confidence in you and nobody will do anything for you. There is a king in glory who is interested in you. He's interested in you. Listen. Can you see the eyebrows of Boaz raised like, whoo. Some of you, your whole life, people's done you wrong. Some of you, your whole life, people has looked down on you and said you'd be nothing. And people's never cared about you. But I'm telling you, the song says it well. Nobody ever cared for me like Jesus. What do you think she thought? She's just hoping somebody will let her glean in a field. She's just hoping somebody will let her come pick up the scraps. Oh, just let me, let me pick up the scraps. And then all of a sudden she turns around and the owner is standing there. Oh, mercy. Somebody say amen right there. Don't you see the interest he showed? Before you leave here, you need to understand. Jesus is interested in you. You may feel like throwing in the towel, but I'm telling you, he's interested in you. (laughs) But God commendeth his love toward us while we were yet sinners. I love that song. I love that old song. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. What a love story. Do you see the interest that he showed in somebody who couldn't do a thing for him? Boy, this so reminds me of David and Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was a cripple. Mephibosheth was in Lodibar. Lodibar means nothing. Nothing. He was sitting in nothing. No joy. No hope. No peace. But there was a king. There was a king who was in splendor, a king who was in glory, a king sitting in abundance whose mind was on a cripple when the cripple didn't even know the king. Who are we? I love that other song. Who am I that a king would bleed and die for? The interest he showed. Number two. Number two. I want you to see the initiative he took. The initiative he took. What are you saying? He made the first move. She didn't look him up. He looked her up. You need to get this. Everybody, everybody, Everybody needs to pay attention to this part. We're trying to, we got people trying to build churches for seekers. The Bible says there is none that seeketh after God. You wasn't looking for him. He was looking for you. 
He took the first step. He came to where she was. <laughs> Initiative. It says we love him because he because he loved us. He took the initiative in the relationship. He began to woo her. Say that with me. Woo. Yeah. Y'all fellas forgot what that is. Say amen, ladies. We wooed till we wedded and then we quit wooing. We wonder why there ain't no fire no more. There may be some more fire we get to wooing again. We put on that best, that best cologne and them tightest breeches we can find. Say amen right there. Did everything we could to impress her. Did everything we could to get her attention. Did it, are y'all, come on, don't act like that. We're all adults in here. Don't be getting sideways with me. I'm telling a love story. He began to woo her. He said, hey, you come, you come on, you, 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 you don't work, you just glean wherever you want to glean. Matter of fact, you just think, you come on and have lunch with me. Anytime you're thirsty, you, you go ahead and get that water bucket and get all you want. What is he doing? He's wooing her. So what does that got to do with salvation? <clears throat> the Holy Spirit came to me and he said this life you're living hey there's a better way there is a king (laughs) there is a king that is interested in you boy it reminds me of when when the servant which is a type of the Holy Spirit was sent from Isaac which is a type of Jesus looking for a bride oh yeah and when, when, when he gets there and finds the bride, he begins to pour on her the riches that came from his master. And I, I can imagine as they head back, as they head back to see Isaac, as she agreed to go, I believe when the, when the road got a little rough and the traveling got a little rocky, he must have got off his camel and went back and gave her just a little bit more gold and a little bit more silver and said, hey, 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 don't worry about the trip. There's more of this where this came from. Honey, it's going to be all right. There are times that the Holy Spirit has come and said, Hey, I want to make you an offer you can't refuse. And boy, he begins to show interest in her. He, he begins to take the initiative in this, uh, this, in this relationship. And he's showing, I care about you. You don't see him doing this, them other maiden. And you know what? I read this verse. I got excited a while ago, and y'all didn't even know why. But look what it says in, in verse 13. In verse 13. This is her response to his wooing. Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid. Watch this, watch this. This is the sentence. I I about had a fit last night when I was reading this. Though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. You know what she's saying? I'm a stranger. I don't know how to be a Jew. I don't know how to be what I'm supposed to be. I I don't have it all together. I'm a broken widow. I'm here as a beggar and and I I don't have it all together. And I don't don't do everything right, but, but still you're interested in me. Aren't you glad that you don't have to have it all together? Aren't you glad that you don't have to do everything exactly right? Aren't you glad you don't have to be perfect for there to be love coming from Jesus to you? He is interested in you anyway. He took the initiative. As far as that's concerned, when it comes to salvation, he took the initiative in his sacrifice. He died for us when we didn't even know who he was. He took the initiative in seeking us. He was seeking us. We was not seeking him. 
He took the initiative in salvation. He came to where we are so we could be where he is. Somebody say man. The initiative he showed. Not only, not only the interest he showed, but the initiative he took. <clears throat> Number three, I want you to see this. The investment he made. <clears throat> the investment he made. He's talking about investment. Now you're talking about spending money. That's exactly what I'm talking about. That's what love does. Some of y'all are praying right now. Lift your head up. We're not praying yet. Come on. (laughs) For God so loved the world that he... Love costs. Love costs. Now is when we get to the real good part. You see... Boaz is a kinsman redeemer. He is a kinsman redeemer. There is a piece of property that formerly belonged to Elimelech, Molot, and Chilean. And now it is kind of in limbo. Listen, Naomi could be taken care of, but she does not have the resources. Ruth does not have the resources to buy back their inheritance. They're too poor. They're too helpless. But if only a kinsman redeemer would care enough. (laughs) If only there was somebody who was related to them. Somebody who cared enough for these poor widows to do something on their behalf. But. In order to do that, you've got to understand something about a kinsman redeemer. Three things about a kinsman redeemer I want to share with you this morning. One, the kinsman, the kinsman had to be related. He had to be related. Somebody outside of the family could not be a kinsman redeemer. He had to literally be a kinsman. Are you with me? He had to be a kinsman. He had to be related. You say, what does this have to do with salvation? i tell you what it has to do with salvation. Jesus, God, the Word, deity, was in glory. It says this in John 1, 1. It, listen, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. That was Jesus before he became flesh. The Bible says, And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld his glory. Now Jesus, the Word, listen, deity, glory in heaven, became Jesus, humanity, here on this earth. You say, why did he do that? Philippians chapter number 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself. Are you all with me? Preacher, what happened? God became man so he could become related to us. A man had to redeem us. A man had to die. Man sinned, so man had to be a deliverer. The only problem with that is there was no good man. There was no perfect man. There was no sinless man. So Jesus incarnate came as the sinless. Oh, hallelujah. Say amen. He came and took upon flesh to be related to us. Jesus became our kinsman redeemer. The kinsman, the kinsman had to be related. Jesus took upon the form of a, of a human to become related to humanity so he could redeem them. The kinsman redeemer had to be related, number two, or B. The kinsman had to be able. The kinsman had to be able to redeem. What does that mean? There could be kinsmen that was broke as they was. Y'all with me? 
You might be a near kin, but you may be broke and not be able to pay the redemption price. Elimelech was loaded. He was very, very wealthy. Are y'all with me? Let me tell you something. He was able. Say it with me. He was He was able. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. <clears throat> In 1 Peter 1.18, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers. Read it with me. But with the precious blood of Christ. Say it with me. But with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. What does it mean? Let me put them two together and take out some stuff. Ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Christ. Money couldn't buy your salvation. Silver couldn't buy your salvation. Gold couldn't buy your salvation. Possessions couldn't buy your salvation. Land could not buy your salvation. All of those things are perishable. It took the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why we stand and sing. I'm redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory. Christ is mine. All to him I now resign. I have been redeemed. I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. It took the blood of the Lamb to wash my sin away. God took my black sin and dipped it in that red blood and it came out white as snow. I have been purchased. I have been bought. I am redeemed. I am born again because Jesus was able to pay the redemption price. Listen, my Redeemer's able. He's able. He's not only related, he is able to get the job done. Say amen. There was one more thing. There's one more thing that you see in this story. Some of y'all are going to appreciate this. The Redeemer had to be willing. He had to be willing to pay the redemption price. Now, how do you know that? Because it just so happened, if you will read chapter 4. Now, stay with me. I'm almost done. Stay with me. If you read chapter 4, you'll find out that there was a kinsman that was near kin than Boaz was. In other words, there was somebody that was closer kin to Naomi and Ruth than Boaz was. Y'all with me? And he said, now I got to go check with him. I got to go make sure because he's near and, you know, by the law, this is the way this goes. But, but if he won't, y'all know. If you read it at home, I'm going to hurry this thing up. He said, hey, 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 brother, I, I need to talk with you. Let's sit down here in the gate and talk because that's where they did the business at. And they had witnesses all around and said, look, you need to understand something. This property, this property that belongs to uh, our brethren Elimelech and, and Naomi and, and everything, uh, uh, it needs to be redeemed. Somebody needs to redeem this. And, and the fellow said, no problem. No problem. I'd like to have that land. I'll redeem it. He said, only with one condition. Boaz says, in the day that you redeem the land, you got to redeem her too. You got to marry her too and raise a son in the name. And he said, whoa. Wait a minute now. He said, I... I, some of y'all going to appreciate this. I want that land, but, but I don't want the baggage that comes with it. I'm telling it. I don't want that baggage. I'd like to have the land. I'd like, but, but man, if I'm going to have to marry her, if, if, if she's coming with the deal, I don't want that. It's a possibility everybody in town was already talking about this Moabite. It's a possibility he was afraid that it, it might mess up what he had going. And he said, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want that. I, I, don't, I, I don't think that's a good deal. He said, all right, if you ain't. He said, I am. And some of y'all, I can tell, have not read the story because you don't know what I'm doing right now. 
It was the custom of the day. When you redeem something, you buy it back. And if I'm going to redeem it, I'm going to take my shoe off and give it to you. It's a sign of authority. I'm, are are y'all with me? <laughs> What's the, what do you get out of that? I'll tell you what I get out of this. Is there are some people in this world who are so broken, who are so battered, and have so much history and so much baggage that people don't want nothing to do with them. People don't want nothing to do with their past. People don't want nothing to do with their present. People don't want nothing to do with their future. But there is a king in glory who is a kinsman redeemer to them, who is interested enough in them. He has took the initiative to come to them. He has paid the redemption price. He has made the investment. It is paid in full. He cares enough about them to die on the cross. No matter how much baggage they have, somebody say amen. I don't care who you are. I don't care. I don't care if you've smoked enough dope put in this building. Jesus loves you. No matter what baggage you carry. Somebody say it, man. Let me get this part out. We, we're almost done. There was, there was interest. There was interest that he showed. There was, there was, <clears throat> are we adults in here? Everybody raise your hand if you're adults. You, 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 okay. All right, you may not can handle point four. He showed interest. He took initiative. He made an investment. You see the interest that he showed, the, the initiative that he took, the investment that he made. So you can see this, the intimacy he desired. The intimacy he desired. Look what it says. <clears throat> The Bible says, oh, this is good. In chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, we see the transaction being made. The transaction is being made. He says, I have purchased, verse 10. Moreover, the Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malin and Chilion, or excuse me, Malin, have I purchased to be my wife. To raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. That the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren. And from the gate of his place ye are witnesses this day. Look in verse number 13. Verse number 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception and she bare a son. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman that his name may be famous in Israel. Now, this kinsman is not talking about Boaz here. He's talking about Obed, the baby. Her new social security. Watch. And he, Obed, Obed, and he, he's talking to Naomi, and he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life. In other words, all that she lost in Moab. Her life was gone when she lost Elimelech, Malin, and Chilean because there was nobody left to take care of her. Obed, be a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age. Little grandbaby Obed is going to grow up to take care of grandmama. Can y'all see this? Isn't this great? Watch. This gets better. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee. Watch this. Watch this. I'm going to kind of run a rabbit here, but we'll get him. <clears throat> thy daughter-in-law, talking about Ruth, which is better than thee than seven sons, hath borne him. Y'all remember that one that she was trying to send away? That one that she didn't want to take home with her? That one that was a testimony of her failure? <laughs> I lost my son. God gave her Ruth. And the people said, 
Man, she's been better than you to ten sons. What's the point? Some of you are so broken about your failure. And you're so afraid to admit your failure and confront your failure. God will take your failure and be a great blessing to you in your life. Oh, my goodness. Boy, that's a good rabbit, isn't it? Let's get back to Boaz. Now watch. This is something I've seen in this. The husband, the kinsman redeemer groom, has a desire to have intimacy with his beloved. And out of that intimacy, Obed is produced. There will always be fruit from real intimacy. And the word Obed means servant. Say that with me. means. And there's two things that are said about Obed. There's two things that are said about Obed. Obed is described this way. He shall be a restorer of thy life. And he be, he'll be a nourisher of thy old age. What does that mean? I hope you're getting this. When there is intimacy in a relationship, it is the intimacy with the kinsman redeemer that produces restoration and produces nourishing and nourishment. Preacher, what are you saying? If we're going to get what we need to get out of our Christian walk, if we're going to be restored, if we're going to be nourished, if we're going to be strengthened, if we're going to be blessed in our walk with Christ, we need intimacy. We need a closeness with Jesus Christ. John 15, he says it this way, I am the vine and ye are the branches. If ye abide in me and I in you, ye shall bear much fruit. Why? Because there is a connection, there is fruit. Preacher, what are you saying? We need a divine connection with Jesus Christ. We need to have an intimacy that will bring forth a servant that will nourish us and restore us in our life. Somebody say amen. Yes. Jesus doesn't just want to save you. He wants to love you. Jesus doesn't just want to make sure you make it to heaven and escape hell. He wants to have a real, close, intimate relationship with you. Do you see this is more than just going to church? Do you see this is more than just being religious? There is a wealthy king who has looked down on a poor sinner. He says, I want to be close to you. Now watch. This is another rabbit. Can y'all stand one more rabbit? I got like two minutes to do this. <laughs> when Ruth, this is a rabbit, y'all. This is a rabbit. Come on, y'all used to rabbits. In chapter number three, when all the harvest is done, when all the harvest is done, they always have a celebration and a party. When the harvest is over, Boaz was asleep around the harvest because they got to sleep there so nobody steal the stuff. Are y'all with me? And Naomi tells Ruth, listen, you need to go and submit. Say that word with me. You need to go and submit yourself to the kinsman redeemer. In other words, you are allowing him and know, letting him know that you're available and you are interested in his interests. And she goes and she sits at his feet and she says, spread thy skirt over me. He's talking about the, the hem of his garment. The hem of the garment in Israel was the place of authority. It was a place of power. It, it symbolized their authority. Why do, you, why do you think that they fell at Jesus' feet? Why do you think the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of his garment? And what she is saying, she says, I want you. I love the handfuls of purpose. I love being able to work in your field. I love, I love how you've taken care of me and how you've, how you've given me extra blessings. But I, I, I'd rather have you 
than I would the field. And if, oh, hallelujah. If we could ever get to the point that the giver is better than the gift and we desire the one giving it more than the gift itself, And if we'll submit to have a closer, intimate relationship with him. She she came in a beggar. And she left owning the field. Now after, after you read Ruth, she's sitting on the horse beside him. Where do you want to be? Anyway, that's all I got. And they lived happily ever after. Hey, by the way, in case you didn't know this, Obed had a son. And his name was Jesse. And Jesse had a son. And his name was David. Ho, ho, ho! And later on, if you keep going on down the generations, there was one born like no one else. And his name was Jesus. Let me, let me run one more rabbit before we quit. You can see the grace of God when you see God allowing a wicked, idolatrous, Moabitess woman to be included in the family tree of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Messiah. Thank God for the grace of God. And, 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 and one more baby rabbit. One more baby rabbit. All through Ruth, she's called Ruth the Moabitess. Until she marries Boaz. And now she is known as the wife of Boaz. I don't care what you used to be called. I don't care what your formal designation was. I don't care what your past says about you. I don't care what your friends think you are. When you come into the presence of the kinsman redeemer, your designation will change and your destination will change. Somebody give him glory and praise and honor. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. My soul. That's good stuff. There's a whole lot more too. We just don't have time. Amen. Isn't the Lord good? Don't we have a wonderful Savior? Let, let's do this. Let's, I want every head bowed and every eye closed. I, I, we, ought to, we ought to just come to this altar and just thank our Redeemer for thinking about us. For thinking about us even when we wasn't thinking about Him. I, this is going to be a different invitation. If you, if you need to get saved, you come on. We've got people 